0: could argue right that we through our technology right and through our service and you know we actually been able to democratize access to to proper performance marketing to a lot of brands a lot of founders Hello everybody, I'm Gil, and this is Wes, and welcome to our very first episode of a brand new podcast, where we'll be talking to some fantastic people and sharing honest stories on direct-to-consumer brand building, e-commerce marketing, and work culture in general in this modern era. I'm the CEO and co-founder of LEAF. We're a tech company and performance marketing specialist for e-commerce, so stay tuned and join us as we hear from some of the most interesting brand builders and marketers working across the e-commerce space right now. Welcome. <music> Right, with me today is Wes, head of uh, client delivery, CMO, and all things awesomeness at Leaf. Um, you know, some people say also that he has a bit of an angry resting face, uh, but yeah, welcome, Wes.
1: Yeah, thanks, Gil. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, happy to be here, despite the face. Um, seeing as this is our first podcast, we thought we'd just take you through our origin story, um, how we got to where we are and some of the stupid shit we've done along the way, which is which is quite a lot, as you'll discover. Um, but we're going to start with, um, as you can see, me and Gil are very different. Gil's from Costa Rica. I'm from Lancashire in England. Uh, how did this get started, Gil, in Costa Rica?
0: What were your initial aims for the business? What were you, do, what were you doing at the time? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. And actually, I'm in the, the very same office where, where leave, uh, got started. This is where me, Danny, um, and Helga and Mel, uh, come together, uh, quite a few restless nights in here. Uh, things have not changed that much. Uh, I happen to be in Costa Rica at the moment, but you know, we, we leave started as a music app, right? Our first intention or mission in Relentless mission was to empower musicians to engage, grow and monetize audiences you know, around the world. We wanted to give them a way for them to build sustainable careers, uh, for them to own their audiences, uh, which up until today, you know, eight years later, uh, they don't, sadly. Um and yeah, that's that's kinda like how it got started, you know, like oh we we got very on it. Uh, me and Helga are, are developers, you know, um, our heart. Uh and so we kind of like divided ourselves in, into that and 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 build it from it and that, kind of like took us in a journey to, to the UK uh, eventually. And
1: with, with, with Danny and Mel, you met Danny and Mel at the time in Costa Rica. Danny with a, 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 a background in video production and Mel with a background in in architecture, which came to be really useful for actually building a product, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Helga and I came as almost like the the, the technical founders for Leaf. Um, uh, at the time, Danny and Mel have already gone through a few rounds with... Uh, you know, freelance developers and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, back in the day is very different to today where, you know, non-technical founders could actually get away with, with low-code, no-code solutions to to test their their hypothesis. At the time, you needed hardcore developers uh, to do it. And that's kind of like how we came together. And, you know, we we hit it up, you know, uh, very well. Um, a couple of months later, we were on a plane to Estonia uh, to an Accelerator program. And that kind of, like, changed... Uh, you know, really the future in many ways.
1: So you came over to, you came over to the UK at the, at the, by invite the, the British government, it sounds very lofty, but it's like, it, it was a program called Sirius at the time, right from the UK department. What is now the Department for International Trade?
0: Uh, yeah, that's, you know, like serendipity right there for you. You know, I think uh, we, at the, at the end of, uh, you know, Startup Wise Guys, which was the accelerator program that we were part of in Estonia, um, We had the the demo day in in the UK. We did it at what used to be uh, Google Campus, uh, which was a space in the heart of London uh, where startups could actually go and work from. And, you know, it was a bit of an experiment uh, from Google up until recently. They just shut it down because of the pandemic and, you know, it's going to be shut down now forever. But, you know, at the time, it really was a catalyst of a lot of things. I would say leave part of it because, you know, we met some couple people and it was two people you know that we met uh in the lobby of google campus that day of the um that, that uh, word of, that
1: word of, for just for everybody else was was lobby um i had when i first met the company and all their v's were b's and the b's were v's it took me a while to understand
0: what that was The are <laughs> and everything yeah no but yeah at the at the lobby uh of the uh of the um of google campus we met john bradford uh who at the time was the you know, director of Texters London, uh, and then we met Guy, who is this guy. His name is actually Guy. Um, and you know, he between the two of them, you know, really kind of was a bit of a turning point. We that night we end up uh, partying at this kind of like little bit of a speakeasy place, uh, not far from from campus, London. We met the few tequilas, yeah, few tequilas, and and we we end up. Uh, you know, meeting the, the, the percussionist to quiet at the day. And on the way to that place, uh, we we met this lady uh, who is still part of the nation. Uh, and, you know, she she knew what we were doing. You know, she heard from us in the, in, in the morning. Um, and she was part of the series program. And, and they, you know, invited us over to take part of, of this program, uh, which, uh, you know, ended up taking us to the northeast of England.
1: Yeah, so that took, that took you to the northeast, right, to the Ignite, uh, accelerator program at, at that time, the Ignite Accelerator program was was Europe's for for one of a better title like number one pre-seed accelerator. Um, and you guys were were one of those the cohort that got interviewed and got onto that that accelerator, which was how many weeks? Sixteen weeks or something like that was it? Six, and it was six, sixteen weeks in
0: Newcastle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably one of the best things that ever happened to you know to, to the northeast. I would say um, they're they're coming back. So for for companies in, in you know, in Europe or everywhere in the world. I mean, I think they're about to open new applications, but, you know, Tristan and Paul Smith, you know, at the time, you know, they were you know, the catalyst and the brains behind it. And, you know, we got to meet you, I think, on day two, you know, when we arrived there. I think, you know, those those key people that you meet, you know, like funny how, you know, they go with you, you know, the rest of the you know, of your life, you know. Well, it's funny actually that,
1: yeah, and one of their producers who works in operations, Lauren Summers, is now our our head of production um yeah so it, i think the legacy of ignite on on leaf on a lot of the companies there just for everyone's context i was working uh for another company at the time and i was a mentor on uh on the ignite 100 um tech accelerator program and leaf he, he was part did. of the
0: dark side you know he was yeah i was part of the dark <laughs> side
1: i was part of the investor <laughs> side not my money i was penniless at the time but i it, yeah, it just felt like being on the apprentice For two years, it was a bizarre experience. It was very different to anything I'd done before. My background was in music and social investment, and then I got into tech investment. Um, And then, yeah, I met you guys, and you were the only ones pretty much on that cohort uh, that day, that came forward with a smile on your face. You took it seriously. People were making notes. Imagine that, like Helga was was making notes, even though she'd built like the grinder app and worked for some of the world's like most prestigious like digital agencies and stuff like that, taking notes from me who'd never built a business. Uh, you get this on accelerated programs. People who've never built a business being mentors and giving you guys advice. Obviously, I was there to advise you guys how to raise investment and how to build that. That investment story but yeah straight away found out you guys had uh, come from costa rica i've got family in costa rica i've spent quite a bit of time there they actually live in the same town that you guys lived in so we just got on famously from day one obviously background in music you were building a music app which had a really noble ambition that i loved and I pretty much after about six weeks i was like yeah i want to come and work for you guys i'm on the wrong side of the fence uh i'll make it right and then and then we'll do this thing and then yeah i think maybe six months later um i was working for for leaf and then and then we really started to fly right we'd got some we'd got some investment like some decent seed funding we got our own little office moved out of the the co-working space and then start to really bang on you know building the product um I mean what were our what were our initial aims back then really? I mean it was a noble ambition. We wanted to put the artist at the back at the center of music discovery, right? Because people like Spotify and Apple and all these big companies that have got like kind of playlists right at the center of music discovery. The artist is a slave to the playlist. So we were putting, you know, we had a YouTube rapper basically. It was it was smarter than that and it was very beautiful. But as soon as you logged into the app, you had big, uh, you know, big pictures of, of artists' faces. And then we would curate all, everything on YouTube that was worth curating behind those artists and allow people to easily share and discover music we had a little a little chat bot right that we, we that people would would talk to us and we would recommend music they thought it was a bot and it wasn't it was us five every morning answering thousands of messages and there were some really really heartfelt stories coming through coming through the app at the time right
0: yeah i mean i think you know like uh um... We, we thought at the time, uh, you know, that we could change really the music industry for good, you know, like, and that we were actually going to be able to change and, and bring a new model to, you know, the way uh, artists were to build their, their, their businesses. I mean, we learned a lot through those periods, right? I mean, we, we were flying, we were flying through, um, you know, pretty much all over the world, Latin America especially. Uh, Latin America is, you know, even today, one of the fastest growing uh markets for for music and you know it was it was great i mean the artists were getting it um i think you know we also learned later that you know the music industry is made of a lot of you know conflicting interests uh of of different people you know like and (laughs) um but you know like again right i mean i think even until today the you know the artist is beholden to know to to the playlist you know what it used to be payola is now playlist yola whatever it is you know like you need to be you know put into playlists because as an artist it's difficult you know to make it but you know in in the back of it you know i think we felt it pretty much as as an indie developer as well uh from a point of view of you know getting your your work out and and that in many ways was the beginnings also of leaf Crow, right uh we needed to to build our own marketing technology because we didn't know how to do marketing. Right. Uh, and, you know, Mel took it to himself to repurpose some of the, the ideas, you know, that he had from architecture in terms of, you know, like, uh, using a uh, uh, genetic algorithms to, to find the best proper fit for for matching audiences with content and stuff like that. And, and that's really the, the original stories of this stuff.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, there was, there was some turning points for us at the time. Um, you know what one of those turning points being you know Facebook. We 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 were growing like really quickly we were growing a lot of users all over the world especially in latin america you know we went on to be um the number one music app in about half the countries throughout latin america above spotify above deezer above soundcloud uh, and at that point um facebook reached out to us saying you're getting some amazing results and um, we'd really like to understand how you're doing what you're doing we'd like to do a case study you can still check it out on leaf music um, it's Facebook for developers. Leaf Music case study: um, how we used Facebook login to recommend music and all this kind of stuff. And we'd built some some scrappy technology to help us, like upload a lot of ad variants and create audiences and, and stuff like that. And we were just pretty naive. That naivety is still with us today, and it's done us done us really well. Uh, helped us to innovate. That naivety. We don't know. We didn't know anything about marketing. We didn't realize that people weren't doing this stuff. We just thought everybody was doing it using code to solve you know marketing problems then was like pretty unheard of now it's like par for the course right like you know you've got to be marketing has become the realm of software engineers and and data scientists and using code and data to solve complex marketing, cha- marketing challenges with server-side tracking ga4 apple versus facebook all that kind of stuff uh, it's just par for the course back then it wasn't it was just you know you could just you know, put some posts out on Facebook, promote a few posts, launch some ad campaigns, get a lot of reach, get a lot of bang for your buck. And then I think there was, you know, when we were doing our research at the time, there's 5 million businesses advertising a month on Facebook. There's 10 now. So it's double what it was. And obviously the pandemic has just put a rocket up the arse of adoption for like online marketing and, you know, e-commerce and fast forwarded us to kind of 10 years into the future. But back then it was pretty, it was not that it was easy. Like, you know, we were working like very, very long hours, but we were doing some smart stuff. Facebook reached out and... Ended up doing this case study and then a year later invited us to to Menlo Park in California to meet some of the leadership teams there. And we were one of 10 companies that that got invited to one of 10 companies from the world. We were the team that represented Europe and they kind of fast forwarded us through all sorts of like programs. Then at that point we thought, right, OK, maybe this marketing technology we've built is actually something that we should maybe focus on a little bit. And then we got we just got a load of businesses reaching out off on the back of this case study to say, can you do the same for us?
0: That, that's the interesting part, right? I mean, I think uh, that that tr- trip to, 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 to California and, you know, looking, you know, kind of like peeking behind, you know, the curtain a little bit made us realize, you know, what we had in our hands. And, you know, I think at the time we didn't understand it, right? I mean, uh, you know, all the major labels, you know, from Universal to Sony to you know, were coming, you know, to us for marketing, right? And if you think about it, right, like this whole engaged grower monetize, that, that's marketing at the end of the day, right? Uh, little did we know that the technology that was built were delivering, you know, uh, such a great results that were, you know, a bit of uh, breaking the benchmarks there. Um, and, you know, the fact that they were keep coming out at us, you know, that they will bring us the most difficult, you know, projects to, to market, uh, was interesting. Um, but the most interesting part was the fact that we came to the realization that whether you're the chop down the corner or you're Justin Beaver, at the end of the day you're competing for the very same thing, which is people's attention. It's that one spot on the feet of everybody. And, you know, you you know, just as the technology that we were using for music could be used you know, on uh, on e-commerce. It could be used on a lot of other things. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, probably one of the pivoted points for us is coming into that realization that, you know, that one thing that we built for ourselves that we were putting, you know, in action for musicians could actually take a, a much broader space. And again, I think what you said, you know, being naive, being open, you know, to serendipity, being open to tests and don't being afraid of it. Um, has really served us well, you know, up until now, right from the beginning, from jumping on a plane, moving to Estonia without even knowing what that is. Uh, But, you know, definitely something that is. Yeah, I mean,
1: for sure. Like, all that stupid shit that we've done that I alluded to at the beginning of the program, like, some of that stuff has given us, you know, the harshest lessons, the best learning. Um, you know, we've done all sorts of stupid. We started a record label. We signed some artists in Latin America and in in the UK. It was a total disaster. We tried to build a ticketing system to go against the banks in Latin America. Um, you know, we've done we've done all sorts of stuff, and we you know we tried to. I think we ignored all the advice from the experienced people, which you, which you do as a young like upstart. You're a technology company at the time, like you know. I think there was a lot of like. I would say toxic culture with startups where you're made to feel like you can do anything. And whereas like belief and, and belief and enthusiasm and passion is healthy. Um, it can actually make you misguided. I mean, like we just thought we could do everything and we could just do it better than everybody else. And you know, the people that knew were saying, look, just do one thing and do it really well. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do lots of one things and do them and do them all really well. And it took us a long time to learn actually, you you need to do one one thing. You need to have a focus, and it might not be build one product, but it's definitely like build one product for, for build a product or a suite of products for a for a particular customer base. You know, and fast forward. You know, and, and at the time we thought music was that was that customer base. We thought the industry and the indie industry within music was that customer base. It wasn't. Um, you know, we were coming up against Apple, we were coming up against YouTube, Spotify, cease and desist stuff, even though we weren't breaking any laws. And we we would have just had to raise 200 million quid, you know, in a very short space of time to even go against those. And at the same time, people wanted to give us money for this kind of like pseudo agency work on the side. Could you grow our artist audiences? And then it was once... We started to get into merchandise and selling merchandise for like, you know, Little Mix and The Damned and Floating Points and all that kind of stuff that we started to do really, really well and kind of found our niche. And once we'd started doing that, then the brands started reaching out to us, your Foot Asylums, your Go Compare's, like, can you do can you do this for us? And they had the same problem. They've got they're just paying to play, just like musicians. They're they're paying to play on Facebook, on Google, on Amazon, on YouTube. And we'd already been doing it in the music industry, which was really difficult to make a booking. And especially when you've got like 15 fucking stakeholders for every every campaign, the artist, the manager, the label, the PR, the radio, all of a sudden they're all experts in performance marketing. Um, When it came to brands, there was just one person, like a founder, you know, or a marketing director and they only gave a shit about, you know, one or two numbers like cost of acquisition, return on ad spend, maybe lifetime value. But, you know, that's a lot to do with them. And it was just much easier to manage and they were giving us more money and it helped us to start building a more focused service experience and focused focused product. And I think, you know, we'd
0: learned the hard way. How do you felt, you know, about Leaving music to an extent, right? I mean, we still have music clients in our roster, but, you know, the great majority now are, you know, uh, you know, fast growing direct to consumer brands. How do you feel about that transition? You know, like um you, you were the rockstar in the team, right? In many ways. So like going from there to becoming, you know, like, uh you know, this this kind of like a uh, bit of a know-it-all in a good way, uh you know, like marketer, <laughs> you know? uh And especially this is mathematic marketing, right? Like this is... You know, it's a bit of a science and art coming together.
1: Yeah, to be honest, it was difficult. And I know it was difficult for, for other people like Danny, um, you know, watching watching Leave Music Die, you know, purposefully, like watching it die and leaving it like a, a community of millions of people and just going in a different direction. And to be honest, less noble. Let, let's face it. We're not bullshitting anyone. We do... We do paid marketing, we do performance marketing for for brands. I wish I could say all the brands that we that we did marketing for were sustainable and ethical. You know, that's the vision in, in, in the future. And I think every brand's gotta gotta go that way and be a friend to the earth. But, you know, it's less noble right now. Obviously we're working with kind of you know, most of the brands we work with are independent brands. We're helping you know, I would say some of the little guys and some of the medium, fast-growing guys and a, and a couple of the, you know, a few of the big guys as well. But by and large, we work with, you know, ambitious mid-market brands. So independent, we've still got that independent spirit. We're totally independent. People have tried to buy us. And our company, plenty of times, and we've always just said, you know, it's going to be the other way around, um and you and you can't afford us. Like we've been quite cheeky about it, even though we might have been dying at the time and nearly not able to pay pay wages and stuff. You know, we've been we've had a bit of a. You know a tough a tough spirit about us and i think it was really difficult to leave me leave music but it was it was the right thing to do music moves too slowly it's still in a really tough place and because of the pandemic it's in an even tougher place that business model is fucked um and so you know moving into movie we, we had to do it like it was do or die really but also we could see a big opportunity like this technology we built our expertise, our expertise in building communities, nurturing audiences. It's what brands find really difficult to do. You know, they just have got a product and they want to sell it to someone and that bit in the middle, nurturing a a community and nurturing an audience is what artists do. Like that's what they do by default. Do you know what I mean? They create their art, they put love and passion and blood and, you know, tears into it. And then they, they play to a community, whether it's, you know, intimately online, in person, you know, they do stuff for free, they, they hardly make any money and they really build and nurture their audience. Brands can learn a lot from, from the music industry and we've brought that into the music industry. Some of our clients like... Go compare, for example, helping them marry brand with ecom and nurturing that community online through organic, but dovetailing organic with paid uh, with paid marketing and really you know using social and, and things like that as a way to to deliver amazing customer service like right where your audience is. I think we've brought a lot of that to to the brand world to to, to the direct to consumer you know, kind of econ world. But yeah, it was a tough transition. You know, it, our mission isn't quite as noble. It's just as ballsy. Uh, but it's not It's not quite as noble as like, you know, putting artists at the top of the pile to get paid and and helping them, you know, navigate their way through a, like a, a really fucked
0: kind of business model. It, it's but interesting what you say. I mean, and I, you know, if anything, I would say that, you know, it's it's probably just as noble because something that we've been able to do <laughs> You know, and, you know, and hear me out. Tell yourself one. what uh, you need. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, you know, we, 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 we have a, and, and we're lucky that we get to work with a, you know, quite a big spectrum of, of brands, right. As, as you said, you know, but I, I could argue, right. That we, through our technology, right. And through our service and, you know, we actually been able to democratize access to, to proper performance marketing to a lot of brands, a lot of founders, uh, that, you know, a lot of people come to us because they've had very bad experiences elsewhere, right? Some with, like, people with freelancers, other with, like, very big, you know, traditional agencies or, you know, quote-unquote pseudo-grow hacks and and stuff like that, right? I mean, they, they come to us almost as a last resource, you know, and they come to us, you know, more often because, you know, they met somebody, you know, like our you know most people come to us referred by 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 other customers of but, ours but but
1: also because they've been like bitten by other a- agencies you know and we were like yeah. Yeah, well and it's good we're not an agency we're a we're a technology company that's, but but you
0: know like it's so it's i going. would i i would argue that you know that bit you know where we actually uh you know are democratizing access just as we did with the music industry probably more today right especially where you have Players like Amazon, right, engulfing you know a lot of you know these kind of like marketplaces or you know like brands and you know everything that we've heard there. I mean, I think Amazon is what it is. You know, they're the naval. You know, a lot of people to actually build great products and stuff, but you know, you know, also we can keep the customer data. You know, yeah, that's they, a yeah, th- th- that's the thing, right? I mean, it's, it's it's pretty much the music industry 2.0, right? It's not your audience; it's Amazon's, right? It's not your customer; it's Amazon's, right? Uh, and you know, we've heard a lot about, you know, Amazon actually looking at what's working and then you know putting their own brands behind it and whatever. But I think, you know, so building these direct-to-consumer alternatives, right? And 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 that complement everything else. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be an Amazon. I mean you should, right? Otherwise, you know, you're missing a big part of the market. But you know, you also need to understand kind of like what does what that does. And I think what we do through leave um, to a lot of those brands, big and small, is actually giving them a chance for them to build a sustainable business.
1: Now, and own, their, own their customer. Yeah. And you, you know what, actually, you know, I take it like it's a little bit harsh saying our, our ambitions aren't as noble anymore. Um, you know, our ambition like, has always been to build a really good company to, to work for. Uh, and loads of people like talk about culture but you know one of our our values our core value number one value is that is people first and that that's noble because people can hit you with that stick and just be like oh well you've done this that's not people first um you know even though we've got to do stuff for the company first because if we don't have a company then we can't pay people's people's wages so having that balance and using that as a benchmark we're always people first that's really tough and that that's noble you know hiring people like I was hired by, by you, uh, and you know, the rest of the, the rest of the guys to, because of my, you know, to quote unquote, my philosophy on life, I'd never been given a job for that reason before. And that made me really happy at the time. Like finally I can be myself in a job without having to pretend to be somebody I'm not. And I want to give other people that, that chance as cheesy as that sounds. And have people come in, build a role, have some guiding parameters, but build a role, explore, discover, solve, and build kind of have the autonomy to to build and shape their own role. And by and large, we've been able to do that with every single with every single person in the company. So that's probably what I'm most proud of in like the latest incarnation of the company. And I do think that is a a noble thing to to try and do in today's world. You know, we've got people in, I don't know what However many different countries across the world, everywhere from Ethiopia and Somalia to Indonesia and, and Malaysia and Costa Rica, the Netherlands, Spain, the UK. You know, we've got people in 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 a ton of other countries that I haven't mentioned as well. India, big up Sadeep and uh, Ritesh. Um, but... Um, you know, and and I think managing those people and managing all those cultures and races and religions and 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 time zones, and I think actively hiring people and, and paying them a fair wage where they are, and giving everyone unlimited holidays, and democratizing holidays across the world—that's the noble thing that we're doing. That I'm that I'm really proud of. And our roles have changed. You know, we were we were the builders. We were the ones building the products and designing the products and running the market, and now we're the ones building the team so our focus has has changed so you know our focus used to be the artists and the music industry as the bad guy and, and us and them kind of thing and now our focus is is our people um and their focus is is outward really but our focus is kind of kind of the business so that, that, that's very interesting changed. right
0: i mean like looking at that and i was talking to somebody recently about how you know how are, not only our roles have changed, but even, you know, our, you know, the the, the core focus, you know, like the technology is, you know, quote unquote, taking care of itself by, you know, the amazing engineering team that we have, you know, the data, you know, team that, you know, we only really s- started building this year, the amount of stuff they've been able to, you know, to deliver, you know, like how we really rocket, yeah, accelerate it, you know, you know? <laughs> so, so some of that stuff and the impact that that's having, on you know on our teams and even on us individually right I mean uh you used to be the no rules type of person and now you're like you know like see I was talking about that with Helga this morning I was like shit you know like see see you know look at Wes you know how much he's you know making other people follow process that I've (laughs) Uh, never ever
1: ever followed
0: but but you know at the same time you know it's kind of like what has brought us to where we are you know why our customers you know, lovers, you know, like, and, and that's not a light word that I use, but, you know, like seeing some, like right now we're in the middle of rebuilding our website and seeing some of the quotes that some of our, you know, like, uh, partners are bringing back, you know, I mean, I think that's humble, but it's also speaks about the opportunities, right. That we've been able to build, right. Whether that's, you know, you know, founders who really, you know, believe, you know, behind the product, you know, others, you know, like are enabling, you know, big businesses, you know, like True Proxy, you know, like Fulfillment Crowd is an example, right? Where they're actually powering, you know, hundreds of, you know, direct to consumer brands to own their, you know, their their last mile experience. So I think there is a lot of things that, you know, through our effort and work, you know, does as you said, you know, people and the impact that people's first mentality has and how it translate to the customer service that we provide our customers, you know, to even sometimes intrinsic, you know, like uh, sometimes we actually, you know, the customers will will trust us enough that they put us, you know, in front of other partners, you know, like to, for actually us to, you know, to to trans- translate some of those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's it. That's it's being partners, you know, becoming partners. What do you think, you know, I, I know, you know, you like to, to talk about, you know, us being in, in, you know, kind of like past our adolescence, right? And, you know, kind of like being in kind of like this way of us like figuring out who we are, you know, we already know our music that we like, uh, you know, how has been this transition from you? You know, like that, you know, like the, the transition from that toxic, you, you had to be a billion dollar company, unicorn style mentality, I mean... I get it. You know, there are a lot of companies that do, you know, suit that kind of stuff. But not every single company has to be a unicorn company, right? Um, and more often than not, you might you might get there or not. I mean, you know, a lot of your overnight successes actually take, You know, took 10 years to get there. I was just reading that about, you know, a company in Argentina that raised like, uh, you know, half a billion dollars just this week they've been in business for 11 years, you know, and suddenly, oh, they're a unicorn overnight success. No, they're not, you know, like it's been taking its own wild, you know, to get there. But yeah, you know. I mean,
1: it, when I first got introduced to the, the tech industry, probably late in the day, in my like early 30s, um, you know, there was this whole, just this culture, this like Californication, this waterfall culture from Silicon Valley, Um they're just shown to be utter toxic bullshit now, and do you know what I mean? I think people have, are, are learning the lessons. The Brits were always a bit more, a bit more cautious, but this kind of thing, like yeah, you've got to be a billion dollar company, and you've got to go big or go home, and you've got to do it inside three years—that never happens. Like most of the investments, when I was at the investment, you know what I mean, they would take ten years to mature um and even then you know none of them were a billion dollar company a couple of them had potential but you know everything's got everything's got potential but again you don't like say so don't just because you don't want to be a billion dollar company or some unicorn company doesn't mean that you also want to be a lifestyle business you can still be ambitious but you can be you can be realistic about it and i think you know doing the billion dollar stuff and the moonshot it can make you do stupid shit at the expense of growing like a seriously good a seriously good business i mean we're 55 people now you know it's we're, we've hired a decent amount of people we'll probably double the company in the next in the next year um do i think we're going to be a billion dollar business i don't really care really you know what i mean I just as long as i'm happy and i enjoy the job and like i'm working with nice people every day and i don't have to work until i'm 150 like on some drip do you know what i mean from some hospital bed or whatever i'm like you know i'm fine i want to be at a this stuff i want to do it quickly while i'm young and then spend
0: time with my boy and my family and my wife Um, and that's you know and and that's interesting right i mean i have we we have a lot of different you know type of partners you know we're gonna have many of them in this in this podcast and you know like it is about the stories right it's about having these honest conversations right like the stuff behind you know the curtain in many ways you know there is a whole movement of of building in public right um The great majority, it's quite wonky, you know, as as you Brits like to say, I mean, because it's like, you know, like being honest and being, you know, open to, you know, to build stuff means that you have to share your, your, your highs and your lows. And there are many lows and probably more lows than high. You know, you just want the highs to be, you know, high enough that actually make up. Building a company, whether that's a direct-to-consumer brand or tech startup, you know, whatever, it's a roller coaster. You know, like you need to really, you know, keep your mental health in check. You know, it really will pass you. You know, the the, the bill. But I think you know, like having those honest conversations, being transparent. You know, we we've been through a roller coaster ride uh, ourselves. You know, and we're gonna be talking probably along the way of this podcast about some of our experience and and some of you know other people's experiences as well, right? And how they've been able to make it, you know, through, right? Bino Kilo is a great example of that, you know? Um, you know, Robin and, and and the crew, you know, being able to build an amazing business on the back of it. But, you know, pandemic came and, you know, it really shuttered the business. And, you know, they actually had to iterate very, very fast and build, you know, and and, and almost like, reinvent themselves you know and you know we're very humbled that we've been part of that journey but seeing some of those stories you know we're going to be learning you know through this podcast you know hearing from you know uh british corner shop right i mean and how you know whole brexit thing you know hit them right uh and and hearing also from other businesses have been able to thrive you know through this whole story i mean we're living in a very interesting time uh where is you know we're pretty much at a you know, our reach of worldwide markets, right? Like we're no longer really looking at a very specific one, you know, like going global, is probably easier than ever been. I think Amazon has really changed that ethos. And I think platforms like Shopify and whatnot. It's still
1: dangerous for for a lot of brands that, and we've learned the hard way with some of the brands, just because you can, you know, distribute globally and just because you can hire globally and just because you can market globally, doesn't mean you should. There's a lot of things to there's a lot of things to consider. And and you know, we've always been, you know, especially when we're in the music industry, spread the net wide, figure out where the opportunities are and then distill. And I think it's the same for for brands. You can test lots of different things very, very cost effectively if you do it right. Um and then figure out where the where the opportunities. We we were talking to a business the other day, they're doing 50 million quid a year. They're just in the UK, they've got about 150,000 subscribers and they're looking to, you know, they came to us to talk to us about how do we go about expanding internationally in terms of, in terms of marketing, uh, and in terms of, you know, some of the, some other bits and bats and, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of experience of lots of different clients who advertise globally. Some of them, uh, you know, advertise like right across the world, some of them just to the EU with all the problems there, um. And I think it's about it's about finding especially with, with some of the the data uh issues within the EU and say California and apple versus facebook marketing now up front you're not going to be able to spread the net like quite as wide and just go oh well we're going to get all this data and then we'll just figure out what to do you're going to have to be a bit more purposeful and a bit more focused and a bit more targeted about where you choose to grow your brand who you're advertising to like know your customer first party data and all that kind of stuff has never been never been more important everyone's got a bit lazy with all the data that they get and like oh well the data will just tell me that age group that territory, that gender, those interests, all that kind of stuff, they've done this stuff on the website through all these different pixel events, like a lot of that stuff is kind of is kind of disappearing. it's being aggregated. We've got the flock you know whatever it is federated you know cohort thing that that google's bringing in we've got you know facebook which is moving you know nearly entirely towards interest targeting which they wanted to kill a few years ago until we told them they were mad and that we were getting better results from interest than lookalikes and some of the pixel audiences for some of the early stage brands so i think people are going to have to be smart about this you know marketing um, you know, I saw something Seth Goldin said like the other day about extraordinary creative and extraordinary marketing, whatever that means. But I think the point is, creative marketing, actually knowing your customer. That's that stuff's going to have to work harder up front before you launch any, before you launch any campaign. So the little data you do get, you're going to have to do. You know that actionable data thing that everyone talked about. You know actionable data a few years ago. I mean that has just like come back to the fore. Uh, you know in a in a big way like what seriously what data can you get and how can you action that data and it's about yeah know your customer
0: yeah i mean and, and that's it right i mean i think these these last you know few minutes of your rift it pretty much sets the tone for what this podcast is going to be you know what we're going to be discussing here what we want to accomplish in in sharing these stories right there are thousands of people out there Uh, you know, with businesses, thousands, even more, hundreds of thousands wanted to come into this business. What does it mean to start a business, an e-commerce business, a fast, ambitious, growing one, you know, in this age uh, and age, you know, like, what does it take? That's what we want to be talking. This is, you know, we have a a, a roster of amazing founders, you know, amazing marketers that are going to be joining us over the last, over the next, you know, few weeks and months, uh, and we hope that you join us on this journey. Uh, we really, uh, you know, want to be building this. You know, this is our very first one. You know, we did it all in one swift. You know, uh, as much as testing as we've been doing. So um, please give us feedback, learn from us, uh, and you know, and teach us stuff uh, as much as as you can. Uh, it, it's a constant iteration, you know, and it's never been more uncertain out there, but equally it's never been more exciting out there to actually be building brands, to be building solutions, to be bringing your passions to the world. And that's what we really want to, you know, to bring forward in, in the, in this setup. So thanks everybody. I uh, hope to uh, join us on this journey and talk to you later. Bye-bye. <music> Right, that's our podcast for today, boys and girls and aliens all over the universe. We hope you enjoy it. If you like to join us on this journey and keep up to date with us, then please like us, subscribe us on all the usual places. All our hundreds are over here on the screen right now for those of you watching and they're on the podcast notes for those of you listening on the apps. Have a great day. And as we say in Costa Rica, Pura Vida, bye, ciao, ciao.